0: <laughs> I get. Uh, well, I, I started down the trail of where's Pastor Doug. For anybody who's not aware, he is off, relaxing, and enjoying. So that's right. We need to. We need to pray that this is a time that just refreshes his spirit and and gives him energy, and that it is fun, and it ought to be. <laughs> Also today, we have some special guests with us, Neil and Jenny, and they are both going to be sharing with us. Jenny's going to share to us in song, and then Neil is going to share the word with us. Now, you will notice that there is an accent among them that... We we do. Okay. You can say that all you want. To my ears, it says accent, accent, accent. They served for 19 years as pastors of a church in South Africa. That's where they're from, South Africa. And then they moved to the U.S. for the last, you say, the last 17 years you've been here in the U.S., but not really because you keep on traveling to all the nations and ministering wherever, whoever is needed. And we praise God for that, that opportunity that you've had. And so, Jenny, please, come and share with us in song, and then Neil, she'll just pass it off to you.
1: I'll just give it a hymn. Praise the name. God is a good God. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, you're right. You got the accent, and I don't. But you're looking at a genuine African American. Come on. And it's Genuine. Born in Africa, born in South Africa, but now I live in America. Who do you know that has two passports and has two citizenships? I do. Amen? But I just want to give you a little background of us. Um, we, as I say, we were born and bred in South Africa, but we travel the world. Um, I have two children. We have a son in Australia. He's a, a um, principal of a Christian college in Australia. And uh, he has, I have a grandson there, he's going to be 23 in December, the, 20, the, the 18th, that's our anniversary, and the 17th, and then I have one daughter, and she's here in Folsom, and she goes to the other church, that's my Tracy, and she has two children, a boy and a girl, he's 19 and 17, and they, I tell you, they're all, they're the apple of my eye, Amen. My daughter, she Tracy, she, she's the music, she plays in the, in the, in the music team in, uh, what, what's that other church? Life Center, Life Center. And uh, so I, I wouldn't do anything else but work for Jesus. Amen. I used to be a nightclub singer and a ballroom dancer. My nickname was Jenny Jin. <laughs> and this was in London before I knew Jesus. Before my Jesus days. Amen. But you know what? God puts within your heart. He gives you something within. And you got to use it for him. You know? When I realized, when I came to know Jesus, I used to I used to sing for the devil. Oh, dance, man. But when I came to know Jesus, I said, God, you didn't give me this for nothing. I can use it for you. You know? And that's just what we're doing now. We're doing it for Jesus. Okay. That's... That's by, that's gone. Now I'm gonna, just going to sing one or two songs for you. But I want you to sing with me. I hear you got gorgeous voices here this morning. Huh? Brother, that was good music. No, wait a minute. Come on. Don't be such a hurry. <laughs> Hang on. I want you to sing with me. Oh, my God. God's going to give me a chance here. you ready. I know. When I go like this, I want you to sing. Just sing one word. Wonderful. Can you do that? Let's try. Wonderful. Oh, them that are good, that side, I tell you. This side? Wonderful. I'll stick this side. (laughs) (coughs) Okay, here we go. Kick it up, kick it up.
0: Yeah, baby.
1: When I fall down, you lift me up And when I hurt you, Lord You're the one that holds my God oh, 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 Jesus, you're so wonderful Mmm, mmm, When I feel a need And I need a prayer can always count on you, for your love has no end. Oh 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 Wonderful My heart in your wonderful. Wonderful. oh 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 Wonderful Wonderful, whatever you say. Wonderful, Lord, so have it ended your way. Wonderful. I want you to know.
0: Wonderful,
1: I love you so. Oh, 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 you're my shepherd, and I'm your lovely lamb. And just to hear your voice makes me so glad I am. Wonderful. You're in God. Wonderful. My heart in your hand. Wonderful. On your word I'll stand. Wonderful. But you'll be in my soul. Wonderful. My prayers as they go. Wonderful. Whatever you say. Wonderful. Lord have it your way. Makes me so I am. oh, oh, wonderful. Jesus, oh,
2: oh,
1: hasn't come yet. Hang on. Hang on. (coughs) It's going to come. God's got a perfect timing for everything. Amen. 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 He's never early and he's never late. He's always on time. You might not be there or when you want him, but he's always right on. But we left with we the children with our burner lady gold. We got a share wrap, meat shack, and the stove was a big goal. When I looked into the furnace, there was a both lady. But He might not be there when you want it, but you go. I promise And they laid old Lazarus down, and days went by when nothing was going on, and the church was all around. But Jesus wasn't in honey. He said, Martha, no reason to cry. i might not be there with you. It not be there when you want it It's always right on time It might not be this when you want it I We don't need fancy houses and fancy cars and fancy boats and fancy clothes and Jesus is enough. Yes. He supplies our every need when we need it. Amen. Amen. He is enough for me. Thank you, brother. <laughs> But really I don't mind. they always try to block my progress. almost most of the time. Sorry. And the mean they say don't make me feel bad. I can use a friend that I never had. I've got the Lord. And that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Well, he raised me. And he saved me. Yeah, he bought me. He's my keeper, he's my God. I can feel it right. Tell me, son, I've got the Lord. I've got the Lord. I've got the Lord. I've got the Lord. See, he's my only hope. When they force me down, and he picks me up, I got the Lord. I got the Lord. I got the
2: bibles here or you have your electronic device or whatever you have i want you to hold it up we're going to make a confession of our faith you ready good i don't see those ipads and iphones and okay there you go let's make this confession heavenly father Father, thank you for your word your your eternal word word. Heaven heaven and earth shall pass away but your word abides forever This is your word to me today. today. I open my heart heart and my ears ears to hear what you would say to to me personally. personally. And I choose choose not to leave this place place the same way as I walked in. In In Jesus' name. name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want you to turn with me to one scripture that we're going to start with in 2 Corinthians chapter Five and verse seventeen, familiar to all of us. And I felt that you know we do a lot of traveling. We go to a large portion of the body of Christ right across the spectrum, from Pentecostal through Crusomatics, um all types, Baptists, and everybody else, uh, Happy Bappies. And um, we we find that there's a need in the body of Christ generally to be able to understand what it is to have a new identity. An identity in Christ. Now we often hear that expression. And in fact it's mentioned over 160 times in the New Testament. So I should imagine having... Where's this guy again? Can we just lower it down a little, please? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there we go. Thank, awesome. Thank you so much. 160 times plus in the New Testament, the expression in Christ or in the beloved or in Jesus or, is mentioned over 160 times. I would say that it's very important that we understand what that expression means. Amen? Yeah. If it's mentioned that many times, God is laying a special emphasis on being in Christ. So we're going to deal with that this morning. So if I were to ask you for proof of your identity, you would most probably show me your driver's license. If you don't have that on you, you certainly wouldn't have your passport, I don't think. Or maybe your birth certificate. And all these are necessary to function in the society we live in. But if we read this scripture here in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we see that God makes a statement Therefore, if any person be in Christ, say in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now we all know this verse, but have we really ever thought about what it really means? That when you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, you receive a new identity, you don't lose your passport or your, your driver's license, but you receive a new identity in Christ. Now, it's in Christ that you have this new identity. So it says, old things pass away. One of the old things that passes away is your old identity. So we receive a new identity which is in union with Christ. We are flesh of his flesh and blood, oh, bone of his bone. So we see here that this new identity in him. And I want to use just a little illustration to help us understand. If I take my handkerchief, you use the word handkerchief, yeah? Yeah. Okay. We say hanky. <laughs> like the Australians, we, we just short, shorten the words. And if I take my... I'd like that other... What do you want? Like? Right. If I have... Oops. Yeah. Where is it? Thanks. Thank you. If I take this handkerchief and I place it in the Bible, the hanky is in the Bible. And if I close the Bible, whatever I do to the Bible, I'm doing to the handkerchief because it's in the Bible. If I place my Bible there, the handkerchief goes there because it's in the Bible. If I throw away my Bible, the handkerchief gets thrown away because it's in the Bible. Okay. That's the understanding. Now, when Jesus took our lives upon himself, our old identity, who we are, sinners, who we were, sinners, God placed us in Jesus when he went to the cross. When he carried his cross to Golgotha, God had placed us, the human race, into Christ. Christ. And when Jesus suffered on the cross, nailed to that cross, we were in him when he was nailed and suffering on the cross. Then he died and they took him off the cross and placed him in a tomb. And we were in him when that was done to Jesus. It was done to us because we were in him. For three days he was in the tomb and we were in him in the grave with Jesus. Come on. Yes. And on the third day he arose again from the dead and we were in him when he defeated the grave and death. Yes. Then he arose on the third day, ascended to heaven and sat down on the right hand of God. And we were in him when he ascended and sat down. Ephesians chapter 2 says we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ. Mm -hmm. You can't be seated in heavenly places unless you are in Christ. Mm -hmm. So we have this identity joined to Jesus, sitting upon the throne of the universe with him. Come on. We're going to say some things. Maybe you're going to have to get your mind around it. Because we no longer want to think from beneath, we want to think from above. Because if we're seated in heavenly places in Christ, our thinking must be from above to beneath. Come on. (laughs) The The Bible says we get our minds renewed, not removed. (laughs) And our old way of thinking was always from beneath. Oh God and we seek to point to the heavens. Now, he is above us in that sense, but our thinking has to be changed 180 degrees. The word repentance means to turn 180 degrees. It means to go back to the top. Re, again, pent, top. So our thinking has to be changed from the bottom to the top. So I'm thinking from Jesus' perspective, not from my old perspective. Oh, that's so good. You've heard this so many times. You yeah, that's what I know. It's always good. It's always good. Yeah. So, so we see here that our life is hidden with Christ, with Christ in God. So our life is hidden in him. Now, I say this with respect. Don't keep on praying, Lord, a closer walk with thee. Or words like that, please. I'm saying this in love. If he's in you, he can't be closer than that. Right. Yes. If you can't say amen, you can say ouch. <laughs> so this is a radical, it's, a, it's not a makeover. It's a radical takeover. Galatians 2.20 says, Paul says, and I agree with him, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, Paul, live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and laid down his life for me. So, we, the old person, the old identity has died. Come on. God is not talking about history anymore. He's talking about destiny. He's not talking about visitation. He's talking about habitation. So when we come in here, great building, wonderful amenities, everything else, comfortable, everything. But this is not the church. This is, oh boy, help me Lord. This is not the sanctuary. We are. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That word temple is the word naos, N-A-O-S in the Greek, which means inner sanctuary, behind the curtain, in the Holy of Holies. So we are the Holy of Holies of God's presence. He lives in the mercy over the mercy seat in our hearts. Now that's, that's it's not a religious thing. I don't have to go to a building to meet with God. Oh, I'm so glad about that. Forgive me, but 52 years ago, I was in the world in business. I had nothing to do with religion. I wanted nothing to And I still don't want anything to do with religion. Come on. Come on. But when I heard that God wanted a personal relationship with me, And he was willing. He died in my place. He considered me valuable and precious. And he died and paid the price so that he can come and live inside of me. Now I can drive my car in the heavy traffic and not lose my cool. Sometimes, most times. Getting to San Francisco... Oh i won 't go there Jenny, Jenny says sometimes, and she shouldn 't say, I sprout horns. Now that never happens to you, does it? So our identity in Christ is vitally linked to the destiny that God has for us, so it 's very important that we understand our identity in Christ so that God can take us to Our destiny, the purpose, the plan that He has for each and every one of us. Does that make sense? You can see how begin to see how vital our identity is in him. Okay. So God's not really interested in your past. He knows it. But it's under the blood. Amen. Amen. Many, many of God's people are haunted by things of the past. The past they bring in with ba- the baggage they bring in is usually from the past. Praise God, He's blotted out our sins as far as the east is from the west. So He's not really interested in our past, but He's vitally interested in who you are and what you can still be. He's interested in what you can do, but you haven't done yet. And He's interested in where you're going to go, but you haven't gone yet. Amen? So He. He's just anticipating us, moving into the revelation that He wants to give us of who we are in Him and who He is in us so that He can fulfill His plan for our lives. Who wants that? I do. I'd put both feet up if I could. (laughs) And both hands. I want all that God has for me. And I don't want to live below the inheritance that He's purchased for me through His finished work on the cross. Don't want a, a weak, um, spineless Christianity. There's too much of that in the world. And it's got to the stage where Christianity is lumped as a religion. And it's not a religion. It's the only faith thing in the world that's not a religion because it's a relationship yes. with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Everything else is religion if you don't have that personal relationship with him. So you can have an idea of your destiny. But unless, listen, unless you start establishing your identity in Christ and living that out, you're not going to enjoy the full benefits and the blessings that the new covenant provides. Mm. I want all the blessings that God sends my way. Well, I don't know about that. Well, stay where you are. (laughs) So we have some ideas here, some illustrations, some examples of some folk in the Bible who established their identity on their way to their destiny. David was a young shepherd boy, teenager, living out in the hills, just minding his father's sheep. And Samuel gets told by God, the prophet Samuel, go to the house of Jesse, that's the father, and anoint one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. Saul was on his way out. God said, go there, take your horn of anointing, and go and anoint the next king amongst the sons of Jesse. So Samuel is obedient, takes the horn of anointing, fills it up, and goes to the house of Jesse. This is paraphrased. Knocks on the door, and Jesse comes and he said, I've come to anoint one of your sons as the next king of Israel. Can you imagine what that would have done to Father Jesse's heart? One of his sons is going to be the next king. Wow. So he said, right, and he lines up his son's down the hallway. First one comes in. And he's the eldest. Starts from the eldest. And he comes in and it's Terminator. <laughs> muscles on his muscles. And God says, not him. And he walks out thinking, missed it, prophet. Next one comes in and he's got a bandana and a five O browning under his arm. And it's Rambo. God says, "Not him," and all the other sons come in before the prophet. And the prophet says, "It's none of these." God says, "It's not any of these." He says, "Don't you have any more sons?" Um, Well, yeah, I've got a little teenage boy. He's out in the hills minding my sheep. But I'm warning you: if you bring him in, he spends so much time with the sheep, he smells like the sheep, and he speaks like the sheep. Bring him in. So they call him in from the fields. And in comes young David. as he comes through the door, the Lord says to Samuel, there's my man. He's a man after my own heart. God does not look on the outward appearance. He looks upon the heart. I'm so glad about that. When I look in the mirror in the morning, I say, thank you, Lord. You do not look on the outward appearance. You look upon the heart. Amen. Yeah. Never forget that. God looks upon the heart. And he says, anoint him. So, here we go. The Samuel, the prophet, takes the horn of anointing and he pours the oil, anointing all down over David's head and runs down his face onto his shoulders. And, that, and, and David hears these words from the prophet. I anoint you, king of Israel. Wow. David hears His destiny. He also knows his identity as an anointed servant of God. He hears that from the mouth of the prophet. Now, his identity has been mentioned. His destiny has been mentioned. If I was David, I would have gone straight over to the palace and I said, Saul, off your throne, I have arrived. But he didn't. Because he was not ready yet to sit upon the throne. He had to first go back to the hills, into the fields, mind his father's sheep faithfully. And when the lion came, he killed it. When the bear came, he killed it. And then eventually when Goliath appeared, he killed Goliath. Because he was establishing his identity as an anointed servant of God on his way to the throne, which was his destiny. But he first had to establish his identity before he could sit upon the throne. Mm -hmm. Come on. And God puts us through the tests and the trials. Because we need to establish our identity in him. Mm -hmm. And who he is in us. And through life's journey, we're going to rely on him and him alone. Establishing who he is in us and who we are in him and then God takes us to where he wants to take us. We might not know what that destiny is but our responsibility is to make a choice to start establishing our identity here in our daily lives. Is that okay? Okay. Now, next one we just want to share with would be uh, Gideon. Gideon was a teenager with a low esteem, just, he, he was problems, and uh, he was hiding in a winepress, trying to tramp out, set out some corn to make some bread. Hiding from the enemy. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And I'm sure Gideon looked around in the winepress, is there a second Gideon here? He could not believe what he heard. Here was this teenager who was hiding from the enemy with low esteem, had no identity. And God says to him, you mighty man of valor. The net result was Gideon dared to believe who God says he was. He got out of that wine press, got together 300 men, and defeated a massive army of the enemy. And he was establishing the identity he'd heard he was as a mighty man of valor on his way to be a ruler and a judge over Israel. Joseph was a dreamer. And he dreamt that he'd be a ruler. Even his own family and his brothers would bow down before him. And he made the terrible mistake of telling his brothers. And there's a whole story in that. <laughs> and we know the story. He lands up in a pit. And he had all these peas to follow. Pit, pot of his house, prison, president. But he had to go through the pit and pot of his house and prison to get to be president and a ruler. So he had he'd heard his identity and his destiny, but he had to work for 17 years to get through the peas. Yes. His pea patch. <laughs> to get to be president. The ultimate example of establishing your identity on your way to your destiny is the Lord Jesus himself. The Bible calls him the pattern son. The pattern. Mm-hmm. Amen. So Jesus goes down to the River Jordan at the age of 30 and as he's walking on the banks John the Baptist is in the water baptizing and John the Baptist sees his cousin and he says Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John John is telling Jesus what his destiny is. The Lamb who would be slain for the sins of the world. So Jesus' years his destiny then he gets baptized in the water comes up out of the water and the bible says the holy spirit in the form of a dove descends upon him and a voice out of heaven says this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased so jesus has heard his destiny as the lamb of god now he hears his identity from the from the mouth of the father in heaven his beloved son wow but it can't end there. You can hear these things, but something has to happen. So Jesus goes into the wilderness and fasts and prays for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of that time, Satan comes to tempt him. Listen to it's found in Luke 4. The, the temptation, the first temptation that is given by Satan to Jesus. Remember, he's fasted 40 days. He's had no food for 40 days. Satan knows this. they says to him, huh, if you be the Son of God. Have you ever seen that little word, if? If you are the Son of God. In other words, Satan was trying to put a doubt on the identity of Jesus. And then turn these stones into bread. In other words, you're hungry, turn these stones into bread so that you can have some food. Listen to Jesus' reply, and maybe you haven't heard this before. Jesus replied, he said Man shall not man shall not live by bread alone, by natural food, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He's saying, Satan, you've missed it by a million miles. He says, Forty days ago I heard my father say, This is my beloved son, in whom I well pleased. For forty days and forty nights I've needed no physical food. I've been strengthened, I've been kept, I've been encouraged, I've been comforted, and I've been fed by the words that my father spoke to me 40 days ago. I don't need physical bread. I don't need to change these stones into bread. Jesus was being tested as to his identity. Come on. You and I will be tested in circumstances as to whether we grounded and understand the revelation of Christ in you and who you are as a son and a daughter of the living God. Come on. Yes, that's the truth. And if it happened to Jesus, we, we're not excluded. Yes. We're going to be tested. If you're a son, child of God. If you're a Christian, why are you doing that? That's Ever heard that? Amen. Come on, 47 years, I've heard it over and over. Yes. Hmm. What their idea of Christianity is, I don't know. Anyway. So, Jesus now is tested as far as his identity is concerned. Now he leaves the wilderness and he goes to his hometown synagogue of Nazareth. And it's given to him the scroll of Isaiah the prophet to read out of. And the Bible says Jesus found the place where it is written. And that place was Isaiah, Isaiah 61 verse 1. And Jesus opens the scroll and starts reading in the synagogue. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison doors to those that abound. Not only that, he said, to proclaim the year of jubilee for everybody. He rolls up the scroll, gives it back, and he says, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus had found himself in the Word of God. He established his identity in the Word. He established who he really was the anointed one, the Messiah. He leaves the synagogue. Knowing that he's found himself in the word, he goes out and establishes who he is by healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, causing the blind to see and the dumb to speak. He walks on the water, feeds the multitudes, casts out demons, raises the dead, and exposes dead religion. What is he doing? He's establishing his identity as the anointed Messiah from God, the Son of God. He was told he was, now he's establishing it in practice. And we, if we're going to be living victoriously, we're going to find ourselves in the Word. We're going to believe what we read as to who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. And then go out on a daily basis and live it out, establishing who we are. Towards the destiny that God has for us. Oh, I'm getting happier. Amen. I, is you receiving something? Thank you. Okay. So you won't really know who you are until you establish yourself in his word. Many people want other people to tell them who they are. We need to find that out by the power of the Holy Spirit who we are. Read the word, and God is going to reveal Himself to us and who He is in us and who we are in Him. Come on. Now, the enemy, they don't give him any glory. He doesn't have glory, but he has a a scheme, he has an agenda. And his agenda is to keep God's people ignorant. Oh, yeah. If He can. By misinformation, lies, half-truths deception to keep your true identity from yourself god knows who you are the devil knows who you are but do you know who you are in christ yes. i looked at this now so it ignorance misinformation lies half-truths deception <coughs> fake news <laughs> fake news yes who's the originator Of lies and deception. Okay. Listen. Isaiah 4, 6. God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people. Didn't say the world. Didn't say the unsaved. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. And the truth that you know will set you free. Truth in itself is not going to set you free. It's a truth that you know by revelation. And when you know because you know because you know, mm-hmm. that knowing because you know because you know sets you free from deception, yes. sets you free from half truth, sets you free from all the smoke screens that are around us. Oh. Hmm. We're out of Africa, South Africa, right down the very bottom of Africa, where the two oceans meet. But in our country, we have wonderful uh, game reserves. Mm-hmm. You heard of the Kruger National Park? If you watch any TV on History Channel or Animal Planet, sooner or later you're going to come across the Kruger National Park. And that's up in the corner, north corner of South Africa. And around it are farms. So the farmers are outside the fence of the park. Now the fence is quite a formidable fence. But elephants are not interested in how strong your fence is. They just trampled it down. And some of the animals will be able to get through. So this farmer is out on his pickup patrolling the border looking for breaks in the fence etc and he sees a little form lying on the side of the path and he stops his pickup and he sees a little looks like a little baby lion cub and it's panting and his ribs are showing and he makes sure that mommy's not around gets out the pickup and picks this little Line cub up. And he feels pity for it because it's going to die if it stays there. It's obviously an orphan. Something's happened to mommy. So he puts it in the back of the pickup. says, maybe my wife can have some suggestion as to what we can do. Praise God for wives. Yes, we know what to do. Sure do. So he takes it into the farmhouse and shows it to his wife. And like any woman said, oh, shame, look at this poor thing. (laughs) She said, what are we going to do? It's going to die unless it gets fed, unless we can help it. So she said, I have an idea. We've got this big French poodle. Maybe she will let the lion cub suckle on her. It's worth a try. So they put the little lion cub next to the poodle, and to their amazement, they allow her. They allow the lion cub to suckle on her. And the long short is short, or shorter. Then the lion cub starts suckling on the, on the poodle, and in a few days it starts getting new strength back, it's starting to walk around on wobbly feet, and there's a week or two, three weeks, and this little lion cub is enjoying the poodle milk, and it gets a little bigger and no longer milk, so he begins to eat poodle food. After all, he thinks he's a poodle. (laughs) Nobody's told him anything different. Then the poodle used to chew on the farmer's boots. And he used to roll up a newspaper and give it a couple of whacks. Said, don't do that again. So the lion cub sees the poodle chew on the farmer's boots. And being a poodle, he's going to chew on the boots as well. The difference is there's no boot left. And he gets whacked. I mean, after all, that's what you do when a naughty poodle comes and does something like that. And this lion grows and gets bigger and becomes a young male. Now, next door on the neighboring farm, there's a huge Rottweiler. You know what a Rottweiler is? Okay, It's worse than a junkyard dog. And this Rottweiler used to run at the fence... Slobbering and snarling and going, woo! And the poodle used to turn around, tail between its legs, and dive under the porch. And the lion used to do the same thing. I mean, that's what all good poodles do when the Rottweiler comes. <laughs> One night, something happened that changed that lion's life. Next door in the game park, the king of the jungle roared. I've been in the felt, in the bush, when the lion has roared five miles away in a zoo. And I thought it was around the corner behind the next bush. God's given it the ability to throw its roar across the, the bush because it frightens every animal spitless. And they don't get them all jittery, and then he can pounce on them. Okay, so this king of the jungle roars, and the poodle dies for cover. But at that moment, something happened to that young lion cub. It was deep, calling to the deep. He suddenly realized that he wasn't a poodle. He was a lion. And he was never going to be the same again. No more poodle milk. No more poodle food. He wanted steak on the plate. No more rolled up newspapers. And when that Rottweiler came the next day and charged the fence and go, the poodle died for cover. But that lion turned around and went, and the Rottweiler died for cover. He had... Established his true identity. Yes. He now knew who he really was. No Rottweiler was going to stand in his way. Yes. Come on. Yes. He knew he's standing. He knew he was a lion. Oh. And until we can get to understand that we are not poodles, That's right. always wanting poodle milk, poodle food, living below our privileges. When we begin to realize that the lion of the tribe of Judah yes. lives inside of us. Ooh, he's living inside of us. Ooh. He's not alongside of us. He's inside of us. Yes. Come on. And because he's inside of us, the lion of the tribe of Judah, have you heard his roar? Ooh. Can you hear him roar? Wow. So when you get into that difficult situation, the the spirit of the living God inside of you is going to Say, you are a child of God. You are not underneath, you're above. You're not the tail, you're the head. To know your identity is absolutely essential for the child of God who wants to live an overcoming life. I can't emphasize it enough. I've seen too much of that around the world. So here's a little term that we use. You've got to lose your poodle identity to gain your freedom, Come on. who wants to be free from not only the past? Who wants to walk yes. in your true identity in Jesus? Yes. That's what He's purchased for us. Glory to God! Whew, I'm just in the start. I'm just getting started here. So it's the it's the Spirit yes. calling to the Spirit. Yes. It's deep calling to deep, and when I understand. That I'm in Christ, and Christ, the living Christ, is in me by the power of His Spirit. There's nothing that can stop us reaching our destiny. Yes, Amen. We choose to walk in that, and God takes us to where He wants to take us. Thank you, Jesus. My. So, Colossians one twenty-seven says, I'm closing with this. And by the way, preachers have the license to say I'm closing with this ten times. I'm closing with this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay. You've been indo- indoctrinated. <laughs> Colossians one twenty seven says, Christ in you. Not alongside. He said, Christ in you. Not in the building. In you, the hope of... That's not some shimmering cloud hanging over you. That word glory, if I want to give you... A A definition, it's the person, the presence, and the power of God. Christ in you, the person, the presence, and the power of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. glory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. world. Okay, We are more than conquerors in ourselves through Christ. Amen, who strengthens us. Okay. I can do some things. Oh, you know that one. Okay. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen to 1 John 4:17. As he is, so are we in this world. Not as he was. I read that and I checked all the translations. I thought might be wrong. As he is now, the glorified, the resurrected, the eternal Son of God, with all power and might and majesty. That's who he is now. And he's come to live inside of me by the power of the Spirit. Am I getting you hungry? Am I getting you challenged? Because that's the one that's living inside of you now. This is not a humdrum thing. This is oh, a yawn thing. This is exciting. This is the whole reason when I heard about Jesus' salvation, it was good news. It wasn't bad news. I'd seen enough people who called themselves Christians that looked as if they were sucking on lemon juice the whole day. You can have what I've got. said, no, thank you. I've got enough problems of my own. Yeah, come on. Come on. But when I heard the good news that God has made it possible through the finished work of the cross and His resurrection, yes. that He'll come to live inside of me. Uh-huh. Not to give me value, but because He died because I am valuable. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. And you are valuable. Mm. He's paid the price so you can enjoy this abundant life. Amen. Oh my. So listen to the last verse I want to give you. Second last <laughs> verse, <laughs> first Peter chapter two, verse nine and ten. Speaking to you. God's speaking to you now. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. To show forth the praises of Him who's called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not been shown mercy, now you've been shown mercy. Glory to God. I can't sit any longer. My, that's who we are. That's our identity in Christ. That's who he is in us and who we are in him. God is challenging you this morning. We have come from Folsom and before that across the sea to be able to give you this Wonderful news, this wonderful yes. message that there's a God that lives inside of you and he wants to live his life out through you. Yes. Amen. Where we die to our own will and purpose and plan, yes. and we receive. Because if you call him Lord, then it's his will from now onwards. On. Savior is one thing, you've got fire insurance. You're going to heaven. But God wants to take care of something right now on earth while we're living here. He wants us to be able to express his life to people who do not see or know about him. Yes, that's true. So, right now, Mm -hmm. are you wanting a greater revelation of who he is in you and you are in him? If that's you, I want you to stand with me. I'm standing already. I'm standing already. Thank you,
1: Lord.
2: Are you prepared, because I want to warn you, when you pray this prayer and you leave this place, and it's presence of God corporately amongst us, but there's a world out there. So when you pray this prayer, know that there's going to be opposition. Know that you're going to be tested as to your position in Christ. You still prepared to do that? Just wont you? <laughs> Get ready, to, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you, I thank you for, your word for your word that has come to challenge me. That has come to challenge me. I choose not, I choose not to, continue the way I'm to continue the way I'm living, because you have much more for me. Lord, I want to establish my true identity. Who you, are in me who you are in me. And who I am in you. Who I am in you. So, I today so I choose today. To move out of this place. Out of this place. And, establish who I am. and establish who I am. Lord you go before me. Lord, you go before me. And, you're in me. and you're in me. And I can't lose. And, I lose. and I'm going to work towards my destiny. That you have planned for me. That you have planned for me. I'm on my way. To my destiny. As I establish my identity. That I've heard this morning. Thank you Holy Spirit. It's by your power. That this gets accomplished. So I surrender. You live in and through me. For your honor and glory. And God's people said. Amen.